Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. My name is Eric, get to be one of the pastors here. And again, I just wanna say happy Easter. So glad to see you all. Would you stand with me? And I'm just gonna read from God's word today. Luke chapter 24, verse one through 11. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He isn't here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. God, we thank you. You are here in this place, and there is joy in the house of the Lord. We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only son so that we could have everlasting life. Be with us now today as we remember and as we celebrate. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. The year was 1999. I had just finished my first of seven years of college studying to be a pastor. I was a big Star Wars fan and I was so excited for Star Wars Episode One to come out. At that time, we'd never heard of Jar Jar Binks, so we didn't know what we were in store for, but our hopes were high. If you can think back to the year 1999, really our biggest fear in life was the upcoming Y2K scare. And remember that? We thought actually that all our computers were gonna crash and send us back to the pre-industrial age, which looking now at social media might not have been the worst thing in the world. But that was life in 1999. Well, as I was getting ready for Star Wars and I was a little worried about Y2K, my college choir got the chance to go to Italy and to visit Rome. And man, it was such a gift as a freshman in college, I uh, just finished my first year, to be able to do that. And so we headed off to Italy and we spent some time in Rome and some other places. And let me tell you, if you ever get, to get the chance to go to Rome, I highly recommend it. It's amazing walking through these these different ruins and, and seeing the Colosseum that's still standing to this day and, and seeing these steps where it's like that's where Julius Caesar was betrayed and stabbed in the back, a tu Brutus, you know, and these amazing uh, aqueducts and, and roads and bridges that are still standing 2,000 years later from the Roman Empire. And you think, how, how did the Romans build these things that still lasted to this day? How were the Romans able to accomplish so much? You can go to England and see Hadrian's Wall. You can go you know, throughout the Mediterranean area and see evidence and influence 
of this great empire who expanded their influence throughout this whole area. How, how did they do that? We're still talking about how civilization changed because of this empire. Well, really it was, hey, we're going to come bring you peace at the end of a sword. And hey, we're going we're to bring roads and all this stuff, but you know what? You have to agree with everything that we believe in. And if there's any dissenting opinion, you know what we're going to do with you? We're going to stick you on a cross. We're going to publicly execute you on a major highway in front of everyone to know that, hey, this is what happens when you go against the empire. That might makes right. And 2,000 years ago, as the Romans spread their Pax Romana, their, their peace at the end of a sword, countless people, thousands and thousands of people actually, were crucified on crosses. If you didn't know, Jesus wasn't the only one to die on the cross. There are actually thousands and thousands of people. We can look back now, and, and we can admire the great things that this empire did, while also saying, man, that was so wrong. The violence they inflicted on the world, and how they colonized all these different civilizations and said, you now are going to speak our language. You now are going to worship our gods. You now are going to have our system of government. You can actually see archaeological remains of people who you can find online where like, their bones are still together with a nail through their feet as they were died on a cross and then taken down and buried and when you see those images and you hear about the horrible things the Romans did to so many people to inflict this violence, something stirs in us to say, that is wrong. This kind of violence against other humans is wrong. So why is it that today on Easter we celebrate its good news that one person, the God-man Jesus, died on a cross when thousands of other people died on a cross, and that is not good news. That is violence and evil, and we condemn that. What is it about Jesus' death on the cross that now we celebrate and we actually wear crosses, the symbol of execution for thousands of people? What was different about him than all those other examples? And that's what I want to explore Today, why is it good news that Jesus died on the cross and then rose again? These last two years, I think, have been hard on pretty much everyone. Today, I want to give you permission to feel, just to examine what is it that maybe I've been even suppressing these last two years to feel the grief and the sadness and anger and betrayal everything you perhaps got locked away or perhaps even denied that you have these feelings. And I want you to know this morning that you aren't alone in those feelings and that God wants to come alongside you and shoulder those things that you've been carrying your whole life and especially these last couple of years. When we look around the issues of our day, suicide, it's, it's rampant. You know, I have a whole gym playlist of my favorite artists, and, you know, Audio Slave, and um, uh, different artists, and almost all those artists, the lead singer committed suicide. And it's like, wow, what is going on? Why is depression so rampant? I posted this online, but a recent study uh, by an institute said that Gen Z, which is about age 25 to 10, 
the number one thing they have been going through the last two years is mental health issues, depression, anxiety, manifesting in classrooms and in colleges and, and just struggling so much. We have outbreaks of violence. We look around at Russia and Ukraine and, and around the world. And injustice. And we see why isn't it that all are created, endowed with inalienable rights by God, and, and yet not everyone agrees with that. And so we see this injustice. And so the question we have to ask, though, is, why is it when we look around, why is it when we see the death of civilians in the Ukraine, why does that fill us with this feeling that something is wrong, something is not the way it's supposed to be? Why do we mourn and grieve when kids are killed, when churches are burned down, when buildings are toppled by terrorists, when innocents are killed by soldiers? What is it? See, no one gets upset when a shark attacks a school of fish. No one gets mad when a lion attacks a gazelle. But there's something that sparks inside of us when we see humans killing humans. When you read about the Romans crucifying people on these crosses because they disagreed, so what is that? There has to be something different about us than the rest of the animal kingdom. Because I believe, as a Christian, that every human bears the imprint of God. That every single human has value and dignity and worth. Because we're endowed with the breath of God, the spark of the divine. Well, first, we're in church, so who is God? When we talk about God, sometimes it's good to talk about what, what are we talking about when we talk about God? Is it just the divine consciousness of the universe? Is it some judge with a long beard off on some throne far away? Well, the Bible tells us God is Father, Son, Spirit that has existed for all eternity in community with one another. Christianity is the only God that has existed in community for all of time. He's full of love amongst himself, and the Father is loving the Son, and the Son is loving the Spirit, and it's a divine, beautiful dance of self-giving love. And out of the abundance of this love, a Father, Son, Spirit that somehow is one, but also three, and it's three, and it's one. And they said this divine, self-giving love, and they said, you know, we have so much love to give. What we are going to do is we're going to create humanity in our image so that they, too, can enjoy this fellowship that we have and that they can then express that same love to those around us. St. Augustine says that the Trinity gives us a picture of ultimate reality with personal relationships at the heart of it. From all eternity, God is community. God has always been and always had relationships. In Genesis 1, God says, let us, Father, Son, Spirit, let us make mankind in our image able to give what we give each other able to love and be loved, able to know and be known. Let's make these beings capable of entering our dance. You know what this, realize, what this means for us? This is what we were created for. But is this anything what the average person thinks of when they think of Christianity? 
That you were created to enter into the divine dance of self-giving love that the Father, Son, Spirit has made us to do. No, people think of Christianity as, well, when things are rough, maybe you go pray or you come into a church building or a school and you, your heart swells maybe when you sing a song, or, but you got to be good. But I'm not sure how good is good enough to make God happy with me. And I just want to be good enough so that he kind of stays off my back, you know, but I don't want to stretch myself too far. But that's how most people think of Christianity, but no. It is Father, Son, Spirit, and divine self-giving love that says, hey, we've created you to enter into this love with us and then to reflect that world, that love to those around you. So you were made for his arms. You were made for the dance. You were made to be brought to a deep and personal relationship with Father, Son, Spirit to give love and sense his love. That's not all you were made for. Humanity was created to reflect that self-giving love. From you to you to you to you to you. And to let it spread throughout the world. That is our purpose. How are we doing with our purpose? <laughs> we take a look around and we see all the issues of the day and we say, how much we have failed in our purpose. To be a part of the divine love and also then to reflect that love to those around us. When Chris and I got married almost 17 years ago, we stood in front of a group of people much like today and we made some certain vows to each other. Hey, I promise I'll do this for you. I promise I will never lead you astray. I will lead and guide you and be the husband that I need to be. And then Chris and I, we went on our honeymoon down to Florida to Disney World. Anyone else take your spouse to Disney World? Am I the only one? Yeah, she'd never gone before. So I thought, hey, that's a great place. So we go to Disney World, and it's a long day. We're going on all the rides, and it's great. Unfortunately, we bought new sandals for our honeymoon. So by the end of that day, both our feet are literally bleeding from these new sandals that are cut into us. And so we get to the car, and I had vowed and promised, I will never lead you astray. I will be there for you. Guess who forgot where he parked? Guess who had to wait? On his first night, uh, not his honeymoon, until almost all the cars were gone until we could find our rental car. That was me. I broke those vows in that very first week. Man, we fail so easily. About, you know, uh, 15 years or so, I was ordained as a pastor. And I took some vows. Hey, I will never lose my cool. You know, I will lead faithfully. That didn't last super long until I broke those vows. I remember when Joshua, my son, who turns 12 in just about a week, holding him in my arms in the hospital, and it's like, buddy, I promise I'll never let anything bad happen to you. I'm never going to lose my cool with you. I'm always going to be there for you. That lasted about two years. That was pretty good, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Then you get other kids, and you start losing your cool, but we, we make these vows. We make these promises, but we break them so easily, and And what happens? Is my failures, does it affect only me? No. When I, when I lose it, when I don't match up to the image that God created me to be, that infects and affects Kristen. And then that affects and infects my kids. And for each one of us, when you mess up and when you don't live up to the standard God created you to live, Your mistakes don't affect just you. Perhaps some of you had a dad who didn't live up to his promises. That affect just him? 
Did his anger issues, his drinking problem affect only him? No. That affected maybe your mom and you. And we can see a picture. You can almost picture it just as, as one person affecting another and affecting another, infecting another, and it just spreads. And the ways we don't measure up to the way God created us, it spreads throughout the whole world and to everyone around us. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, and the Bible tells us that God created us to be in relationship with him, but Adam and Eve, they sin and they mess up. They became ashamed, and so they covered themselves up. And even if you don't believe in the story of creation and talking snakes and Adam and Eve, even if you don't believe all that, you know there's something wrong with yourself, and so you hide and you cover yourself up. See, the problem is not that we just need some good advice or some tips or some teaching. We are dead in our sin. Sin is both something that we do and a condition that we are in. It's both a noun and a verb. And what does sin mean? It means that we're missing the mark. In the Old Testament, there was a group of warriors who fought, and they were experts with their slings. And they could hit, you know, a squirrel from 100 yards away with their slings, and they were experts in that. And I imagine my 12-year-old son, he would love to be part of that group. But the way that the Bible describes them is that they were so good, they did not sin. It literally means they did not miss the mark. They did not miss what they were supposed to do. Sin is just a religious way of saying we don't measure up that standard that God created us to be this perfect self-giving love of showing love of receiving love and then giving love and so we sin and we are in this condition called sin see God created humanity to express the same love but they mess up and so then God out of humanity he calls Abraham to start this new nation of Israel And Israel now is supposed to be set apart and to show the way to everyone else and to reflect what it means to enter into this relationship with God and then to spread the love to everyone around them. And what do they do? They mess up and they're not very good at that. Then God God calls King David, the giant slayer. Hey, David, you now be the perfect king to show the way. And David, he messes up in spectacular fashion. But there is a promise that one is going to come out of humanity, out of the Jewish people out of the line of King David, and this one person is actually going to perfectly live up to the standard that God has for us in perfect relationship with God, with perfect relationship with others, to perfectly reflect the purpose that we were made for, and not only that, not mess up and do all the wrong things. See, when we mess up again and again, This has a ripple effect to those around us. And so the Bible describes that as we carry a debt. See, when I sin against Bradley or Ryan or Matt, I carry a debt against them. It's not just my own sin affecting me. I affect those around us. And so we carry the sin again and again. It's kind of like you've seen the Christmas carol. You know, uh, his his partner has all these chains around him, Scrooge, and, and it's all the ways that he's wronged others. And and as we live and and, as we mess up and we do bad things, we carry this heavier and heavier debt. And God saw we were incapable of reflecting that self-giving love that we are meant to reflect. And God saw that we had a great debt that we could not deal with in all the ways that we'd harm those around us. And because of that, the Bible says we were held captive by a great evil force. There is an evil one. I don't know how you can look at the world around us and not 
believe there is evil forces at work in the world. The Bible says that is the devil, the evil one. And so we mess up. We don't reflect the way God created us to reflect, to live up to our purpose. We have this debt from all the ways we have infected others. And then now, and we are held captive by this evil force. So what's the answer? I love superhero movies. I grew up reading DC comics, so it breaks my heart that Marvel movies are so much better than DC movies. But if you followed MCU and, and, and the whole long journey at all, it was like 10 years in the making, and it culminated in this amazing movie called Avengers Endgame. Anyone fans of Avengers Endgame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers Endgame, it's actually a very, very deep movie if, if you can get beyond the, your comic book kind of blinders. And in there, you see the previous movie, uh, Thor is this character who's kind of the god-man, and he had lost everything. He lost his eye, he lost his hammer, he lost his home. He had failed because Thanos, the bad guy, comes in. And so Thor creates this new weapon, and he goes to stop him, and he doesn't do it in time. Hits him in the chest, not the head. Thanos snaps away half of the universe. That's how Avengers Infinity War ends, and then Endgame picks up. And Thor is dealing with severe post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. When they find Thanos, and he's actually able to then kill Thanos, but does that make everything better? Is Thor now back to his joking, jovial person? We flash forward five years, and what happens? Thor's gained a ton of weight. He's not living up to his purpose. He's just playing video games. And sometimes I think people just play it up as just a laugh, a gag of Thor. He's, he's fat, and he, he's, he's drunk. It's really Thor is dealing with PTSD. Thor is dealing with depression. Of all the ways he's failed, he hasn't lived up to who his father believed he should be. And so they played up his gags a lot throughout the time of that movie, and, and, and Thor, he's got his glasses on, he's eating, but he's really dealing with his trauma. And I think a lot of us have been there the last two years, is, is we're reacting to trauma. Some of us have gained weight, some of us have just rejected our purpose, some of us just, we're not sure what to do. And you see Thor, he desperately wants to make things right, and they do this whole time travel thing, and it's kind of crazy, but he gets to meet his mom, and it's a great scene, though, before he goes back. He's like, wait, hold on a second. He holds out his hand. And if, if you miss it, you don't understand the significance of the moment. And he calls his old hammer to his hand. And, and, and it, it comes to him, and if you see his face, he says something. He says, I'm still worthy. Now, again, you have to kind of watch all 27 movies in 10 years to like fully get the significance of this moment. <laughs> but in that moment, Thor had believed he was no longer worthy. He wasn't who his father created him to be. But the hammer says otherwise. This Easter, just like every Easter, as I read these stories, something always God reveals something new to me. And I was thinking about the disciples. 
And how a lot of times we give Peter a bad rap. If you know the story of the Bible, Peter's the one that says, hey, Jesus, I'm going to defend you. And he pulls out his sword, and he's so bad at the sword, he tries to chop a guy's head off, and he only gets the guy's ear. Jesus is like, come on, Peter. He puts the ear back on the guy. And Peter says, I'm never going to leave you. And Jesus is like, you are. You deny me three times. And that night, he denies that he knows he's even three times, and he runs away. Sometimes we just say, Peter, why would you do that? I would never do that. But I think truly, Peter is dealing with PTSD, He's dealing with depression. He sees his savior, his teacher, led away, and all his hopes and dreams are dashed. And then Jesus rises from the grave. And we read that section that Peter hears from the women, which I love that women are the first ones to proclaim that Jesus is alive. Amen. And then Peter goes to check it out himself. And there's a funny little thing. And again, I never really caught this. My Bible nerds in the room, uh, Ryan and Ethan, you may catch this. But I love this, that it says in the book of Luke, which probably got his research from Peter himself. Luke says, Peter ran to the tomb to check it out himself. Who does Peter leave out if you know the story? Peter leaves John out of the whole story, which is pretty funny because then in John's gospel, which wrote later, John makes a point to say that he ran to the tomb and outran Peter. So I just think it's really funny that in Luke's occasion, Peter leaves John out of the story. So then John, when he's writing his after Peter's dead, he's like, I want the whole world to know for all time. I was there, and I was actually faster than Peter. So anyways, I'd never caught that. I was like, that is the pettiness of these disciples. It's just truly amazing. That's how you know this is real. But Peter runs, and he gets there, and Jesus isn't there, but it's an empty tomb. And he's like, what is going on? And I think the question Peter had is, am I still worthy? So what does he do? He goes back to what he knows. He starts fishing. And then... They see someone, oh man, on the beach, building a fire, making breakfast. And one of the disciples turns to Peter and says, that's Jesus out there. What does Peter do? He jumps in the water, fully clothed, and he's swimming. I'm coming, Jesus, I'm coming. And he gets there, and I love Peter. And, and what is Peter wondering? Am I still worthy? And what does Jesus do? He fixes breakfast for his friend. And I think there's no shame, no condemnation, no guilt in Jesus' eyes. As he says, Peter, you are still worthy, not because of what you did, but because of what I have done on the cross. See, Peter, just like each and every one of us, could not live up to the standard that God had for each and every one of us. But Jesus perfectly fulfills the role that you and I were created to play. What does that mean? You and I, don't have to be perfect. Maybe you just want to let out a sigh. <sighs> Those Easter pictures don't have to be perfect. That Easter egg hunt doesn't have to be perfect. Easter dinner doesn't have to be perfect. See, God designed us to perfectly fulfill this standard that he had for us, but we can't fulfill it. But Jesus did perfectly. And the cross and Easter Sunday means that Jesus' victory is now your victory. He stands in the place for us. Colossians 2, verse 13 through 15, says this, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Three quick things before I wrap up today. What does it mean 
that the cross and Easter Sunday is good news. Number one, it means that dead are brought to life. You and I, it says that we are dead in our sins. We aren't who we're supposed to be. We aren't reflecting the way God created us to be. But Jesus made us alive. So the beautiful thing is things that in your life that appear dead, hopes, dreams, relationship, your relationship with God, those dead things can be brought to life through Jesus. Number two, that our debts are forgiven. See, we've infected each other so many times with all the ways we've messed up, and so we incur this great debt, like chains holding us down. And what happens? Jesus wipes away that whole debt by nailing it to the cross, and so we can live completely free of all the ways that we've done wrong to others. We can receive total forgiveness, and you can live completely debt-free. You can let that weight just roll off your shoulders. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to maintain this. And then all the, the ways you've messed up in the past, that that can be nailed to the cross. And number three, he destroyed the works of the devil. See, because humanity messed up, the world was under the influence of the evil one, the devil. But what did Jesus came? He came and he stepped into human history to fight for us. 1 John 3, 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's another thing. I don't know if we talk about that enough. On Easter Sunday and on Good Friday, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I know in our 21st century America, we don't like to talk a lot about spirits and devils, but let me tell you, there is an enemy, and he wants to kill and steal and destroy from you. He does not want your marriage and relationships to flourish. He does not want you to flourish as a parent. He does not want your finances to flourish. He doesn't want you to flourish in your relationship with God. He does not want you to have peace. He does not want you to feel uh, hope. But Jesus came, and he destroyed the works of the devil. See, he didn't simply hope for peace. Jesus fought for peace. And you can't grasp, properly understand Jesus if you don't understand that his life's purpose was to win the greatest battle the, war has ever, the world has ever seen. See, sometimes I think the mission of Jesus is misunderstood because he never carried a physical weapon in his hands. But if you want to see the true marks of a warrior, you look at his hands. His nail-scarred hands, that he fought for peace. He didn't just hope for it. He stepped into history. He went toe-to-toe with the devil, and the devil stood no chance. In his death and resurrection, Jesus took upon himself all of the violence of the world so that we could have peace. And if you are just feel like you're one breath away from giving up, I hope you know that, that the God who created you is fighting for you. You cannot give, yourself, give up on yourself when God considers you worth fighting for The cross that Jesus died for was not a symbol of defeat. The cross and the empty tomb are declarations of the one who stands victorious. He conquered sin and the devil and the debts that we have. And they show the pathway to the way of Jesus. By defeating the evil powers that oppose God, Jesus Christ rescued his people from Satan and established himself as the rightful king of the universe. Colossians 1, 13-14 says this way, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This means that the cross and the resurrection Sunday means that Jesus' victory can be your victory. You can participate and claim that victory. See, Easter Sunday means that the worst thing is never the last thing. The story doesn't end at the cross. The story doesn't end at Good Friday. Jesus is not simply just some good example for us. Why is it good news that Jesus died when all those other thousands of people were crucified by the Roman Empire? And that is not good news because Jesus didn't stay on that cross. But he rose again. Why do I believe the story of Jesus? Is it because of the Bible? No, it is because 
so many people turn their lives around by seeing the risen Jesus. We have accounts that his own family did not believe in him. And yet, James, who we just spent the last five weeks studying, he started to worship his brother. The only way that would ever happen, that you would worship your brother, if you've seen him rise from the dead. When you saw him on the cross, you saw him in the tomb, and then he's walking around still with holes in his hand, and it's like, come on, Jesus, you're so perfect. I've been in your shadow the whole time. Like, can't you just imagine being James and everyone being like, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Like, come on, like, poor guy. And so he's a little resentful, but then he sees actually Jesus is perfect, and Jesus, he hugs his brothers and his mom, and he's alive, and they're like, okay, you actually are the son of God. And his brother James helps lead the new church, and all the disciples were willing to be martyred for what their beliefs were. And only John lived to a ripe old age. That's only because they boiled him in oil and he survived it. Why were those men willing to endure the violence of the Roman Empire? Because they'd seen that their Savior had conquered all violence on the cross. And they're willing to say, hey, there's a new way. There's a new hope. It's not empire, it's the way of Jesus. What if you could know peace and a future filled with hope? What if you truly could be freed from that debt that you feel? What if God really did send his son and he died on the cross and God brought him back to life? What if that really happened? I believe it did. I spent my life studying this. And I want you to Take the moment to say, you know what? I'm going to take this step of faith. See, it's not about actually saying yes to Jesus. It's saying yes to what God has already done for you. Jesus has already won the victory. Jesus has done it for you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to carry this any longer. It's just receiving what he's already done for you. And if you have questions and, and you're not sure, I'm so glad that you are here. We say a lot, this is a place where you can belong before you believe. And we'd love you to come back next week. And so if, if, if you're just, just exploring this, I'm going to invite you to take the three-week challenge. And just come, come to church three weeks in a row, which nowadays is actually pretty uncommon. But I think we could do it. I believe you can. And so this is week one, so you're one out of three. So give yourself a little bit of hand. You're already a third of the way there. Uh, next week, come back for our, our, our family uh, fun day. And I'm just going to be talking about your short message on everything you need to know about following Jesus. I'm going to sum it up in about 20 minutes. So come back next week to learn more about that. And then week three, relationship rehab. Just why are relationships so hard? What do we do about this? What does God say about relationships? But for others of you, maybe this morning, as I've been speaking and talking about the hope that we can have through Jesus, something has been stirring in your heart. And I want to pray for you. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. The band's going to lead us in one final song here in just about a couple minutes. Then we're going to go do our egg hunt. But I don't want to leave this morning without giving you the opportunity to say yes to what God has already done for you. What do you have to lose? By saying, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but you know what? I don't like the way of empire. I don't like the way of violence that I see in the world. And I see the way of Jesus is different. Jesus was someone who invited prostitutes and 
scummy tax collectors and outsiders and people born in the wrong places and people who messed up and the doubters were all welcomed at Jesus. Jesus was invited to the best parties. Jesus never had condemnation or guilt. And the only time he really raised his voice was that religious people who were making things harder on other people. I believe Jesus is beautiful and attractive. And when I look at all the philosophies of the world, I truly believe the way of Jesus is the best way to live. To say, hey, each and every one of us is created in the image of God, and that is why we have value. And this God who has existed for all time, Father, Son, Spirit, welcomes us into relationship and now desires us to reflect that. I can't do it perfectly, but through Jesus, he can help me. And his spirit now lives in me to bring life and goodness and peace wherever I go. If your way of life just feels like, like, you know, it's not working, would you be willing to say yes to Jesus? This last time we're going to sing is just talking about how he's our victory. He's won the victory. We don't have to carry it anymore. Now all we have to do is just stand in what he's already done for us. I'm going to invite everyone, just, we're going to take about a minute just to close your eyes and just to reflect. I'm going to pray for you and then give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you saw that we were incapable of living up to the standard that you made us to live, that we could not be perfect. And so we sin, we mess up, and our sin infects those around us, and it goes on and on and on. And so we have brokenness, and we have shame and guilt. But you went to the cross so that we could find life forgiveness and hope and that you rose again victorious now you invite us into that new life with you Jesus I just pray for each and every one of us God that we would just walk in the knowledge we don't have to be perfect we don't have to have it all figured out we don't have to carry the weight that you have won the victory that you are going before us you fought for peace for each and every one of us. So God, I pray that each and every one of us would just let go of shame and guilt and unforgiveness. You'd be just begin to change and transform our hearts. With every eye closed, I just want to give you the chance to respond. If there's anyone in here that you want to say this morning, I want to say yes to what God has done for me just receive the way of Jesus and begin to follow him make him the leader of my life I'd love to have you just slip your hand at the count of three and then just down again three Jesus loves you two I believe that if you follow the way of Jesus you'll never be the same one if you want to make that commitment this morning just go ahead and slip your hand up because I'd like to just see if there's anyone thank you I see that thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you I pray for those who are making the decision this morning to follow you. God, that you would just 
Let them feel your peace right now. They would just fill them up. And God, all the ways maybe they've been wronged and hurt by others, all the ways they've wronged others, God, that would just be gone. You would wipe it away. And they could know that they are just truly loved deeply, perhaps in a way they've never experienced before. And with that means adoption into your family. And that the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, we may love imperfectly, but that we love them so much. And we're so glad they've decided to take the step of faith. God, be with each and every one of us as we celebrate the rest of Easter. God, I pray that we would just stop striving and just walk in confidence of the victory that you've won, that you go before us. And God, that we would know we don't have to be perfect. There's forgiveness and grace in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you made that decision this morning, I'd love for you just to text the word believe uh, to 763. 718-4281. 318-4281. I think you've got the slide up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, one of our pastors, we just love to just follow up with you. Just send you a text. Hey, thanks so much for uh, making that decision. What can we do to help you take your next steps? I uh, need a Bible. Uh, what we do with some of our pastors, we just meet with people face-to-face over the course of many weeks. Just say, hey, let me get to know your story. How can we help you walk with Jesus? We have some community groups throughout the week. But we're really here to help you take your next steps. I heard someone on a podcast today saying, like, if, if you're a young person and you're starting a new business, or even if you're just in life, why would you not make church a priority to have just people here who are desires? Hey, we want to mentor you. We want to shepherd you. We want to get to know you. We want to give you some advice on relationships and finances and family and, and parenting and, and walking in the way of Jesus. Why would you not want that? And so our desire is, is we're here. We're here to serve you, our pastors and our, our leaders. And uh, if you just text that word, I'd love to just follow up with you. Uh, that's, just, that's just my phone number and uh, you can just ask me any questions you want and uh, then again if you're new we'd love to ha- have you meet Ryan uh, back there at, at our, our, our table and we're going we're gonna to stand we're going to sing and then we're going to invite everyone to go out to our Easter egg hunt and the uh, kids ministry rooms they're going to bring the kids outside so you don't need to pick them up at, at the kids ministry rooms you can just go down just follow the signs for the elementary room and we'll go out there um, but before we do that, we're going to just receive our offering. Uh, for those uh, who are regular attenders, you can give here. You can also give online. And we're going to sing this one last song. So if you want to stand, let's go out of here singing to our God who won the victory and who continues to have the victory, and we can step into that. May you know that Jesus loves you so, so much. May you have a wonderful Easter. Let's go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.